Welcome to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza on this live broadcast from Washington. Here are some of the top stories making news across Sudan and South Sudan this Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. A new project for improving, a new project for young men and women is improving living conditions across South Sudan. This project has captured all the associations in Valley, including my association, and it has been a bit uh, hard all. Uh, they opened for hard classes, they train the youth. And salary delays affect students' enrollment across South Sudan. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Persons living with disabilities have complained that they don't have access to primary education despite South Sudan's commitments to uphold the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. They say a lack of government policy and systemic discrimination makes it difficult for persons living with disabilities. For VOA News, Dennis Logoni reports from Juba. Mandela Isaac Eric, a visually impaired senior and disability inclusion facilitator at Light for the World, non-profit organization advocating for inclusive education, says people with disabilities have been sidelined in several activities across the country. He says well-written laws would allow children with disabilities to access education in many parts of South Sudan. We discovered that uh, there are no sign language teachers or sign language interpreters that will be able to help these children with hearing impairment in the class. We also know that uh, the classrooms are not accessible for learners with disabilities. We also discover the challenges of lack of uh, clear policies and laws that can be able to promote the education of these children with disabilities. I know Article 29 of the Transitional Constitution of the Republic of South Sudan 2011 as amended talks about access to education of people with special needs. But that is not clear because who has special needs? Golda Pony, the mother of a five-year-old, says she brought her son for registration at Usratuna Rehabilitation Center in Juba, but he was rejected several times for enrollment in government-run schools. I want, by all means, my son David to be registered in a school to start from baby till top class. If those schools accept later on, it will be good. But like this, they have completely refused. Now I brought him here to Suratuna so that he can be registered. Susan Tabu Farajala, a teacher at Usratuna Rehabilitation Center who has worked for 15 years teaching children with disabilities, says the school only admits babies to top class. Farajala says some South Sudanese schools refuse to enroll children with disabilities. We promote the children to primary school because here we don't have primary school. We promote children to other schools, but those teachers in private school, in government schools, they don't want those children. They see those children like they are going to suffer, like he's going to take in their time, because were, uh, some of the children they are not able to go to the toilet. But here in Suratuna we are used to, to do these things. But according to that, those teachers, they don't know. That is why sometimes they, they refuse our children, the government schools. The Director of Inclusive Education at the National Ministry of General Education and Instruction says a lack of funds prevent the ministry from implementing new policies aimed at giving equal access to education in South Sudan. Ben Laud Pogo says the National Ministry of Education plans to create awareness on the rights of vulnerable children in South Sudan. We have developed a 
policy, which uh, it is uh, referred to as the National Inclusive Education Policy for South Sudan. And we have also developed a strategic plan for rolling out that inclusive education policy. Um, it is important to note that uh, after the signing of the policy and the um, strategic plan, it has now become an issue that we need to uh, roll out inclusive education across South Sudan. And um, so far, we are on the track of disseminating the policy, creating awareness among communities in all the 10 states of South Sudan and the three administrative areas. Levi Sande is a head teacher at Rajaf Educational Center of the Blind, established in 1982. Sande says the Ministry of Education should introduce policies aimed at improving the welfare and skills of teachers of students with disabilities in order to provide better services. You are the technical people. You have to come down and consult us. So people are starting inclusion. We are not against inclusion. It is good. But first, you have to look at the curriculum itself. When we put the curriculum is inclusive and then we have to proceed how teachers can help these children with different disabilities particular visually impaired hearing impaired my message to the government they have to train teachers in braille system in sign language persons with disabilities in south sudan face a myriad of challenges accessing education but martin john magop a proprietor of an it services company faced such challenges and made it through after graduating with a bachelor's degree in information technology he started an IT business where he has employed two others. Magok says people with disabilities could bring change to their communities if they are empowered. And speaking, maybe even I can train people, I can teach people, I can address people, I can talk on behalf of a person with disability, and even I can talk through maybe in the government uh, occasions. So this means people are having hope, people are having hope, and then people they know that if you educated a person with disability, this means you will not be a disabled anymore because that disability is not in, in his ability. It's only a small part of his body that is having a problem, but not all the body. So this is the words of encouragement I used to tell them. On February 24th last year, South Sudan signed the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. But Mandela says people living with disabilities are still waiting for the government to implement equal opportunity provisions in the convention. There are organizations working in the field of disability, but unfortunately they are working for persons with disability, but not working with persons with disabilities. If you are working for me, you will be treating me as a beneficiary. If you are working for me, you will not value me as a human being. So I urge the rest of the organization to really work with persons with disability. And they can only do that when the government is serious on implementing the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disability. According to global estimates, 1.2 million people, or 16% of the population in South Sudan, live with some type of disability. For VOA News, I'm Dennis Logonyi reporting from Juba. From Juba, we move to Upper Nile, where young people in Baliet County of Upper Nile State have begun a poverty eradication project dubbed Youth Empowerment Activity. It aims to impart knowledge and skills to South Sudan's young adults to build resilience among communities for economic recovery. For VOA News, Mamer Abraham Quat reports from Malakal. Young men and women in Upper Nile State's Baliet County say... The resilience program will help feed their families and vulnerable people in their communities. The Youth Empowerment Activity Program, funded by the United States Agency for International Development, is operated by a U.S. nonprofit, the Education Development Center, and the local group Nile Hope. 
It offers a training program for young adults in Baliet and Wulang counties in Upper Nile State. Yai Cholalong is the chairperson of a football association in Baliet County. This project has captured all the associations in Baliet, including my association, and it has been fit uh, at all. Uh, they open for us classes, they train the youth, they train the trainees, and we have the learners in the classes in all uh, various payams of Bali County. They are teaching us how to be financially independent as a youth, and you don't have a job. Halong says the project improved his living standards after he learned how to preserve fish and to build a network of customers. He says his income has shot up. In a month, before, sometimes I can just have 100,000. In this, in this year, I have sauce, I have a different sauce. Uh, I have fishing, I'm fishing, and sometimes I'm doing some micro business like getting clothes in Dubai, come and sell them in local market. So now, sometimes I reach to 300, 400 a month. So now the income has increased. So I have customers who are taking my supplies. Now I have how to get their income. I'm really proud of it. Chuang Kual Chuang is the deputy chairperson of Baliet County Youth Association. He says the project has encouraged young men and women to shun violence and focus on development activities. We have noticed what USAID has done is good for us, the youth. Nobody has fully recovered from the negative impacts of the conflict because people do not get all their needs and desires. But after we receive items like a computer, sound system, there will be a change of mindset. Nobody will think of causing conflict. He says the youth harvest their farms and sell affordably priced produce to vulnerable citizens. We also have a savings cooperative society. We recently decided to build a dike across a stream called the Nyinbil. This was one of the several ways of helping vulnerable people. Vehicles could not cross to Baliet from Malakal because of the stream. Only strong people could cross. But we decided to make a passage. We also group ourselves to cultivate or wheat a farm of an old woman or man. Michael Red Choi is the chairperson of Baliet Community Help Group, which distributes sacks of sorghum, known as Dura, to vulnerable people. He says their goal is to lead the youth towards financial independence. We have some vulnerable group like the elders and those who don't have their hands during the crisis. We join our hand and collect some Dura and then give them. And if you see the, 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 the person having no shelter, we brought the wood and build the shelter for the vulnerable. Uh, right now, if we are seeing someone has no something to eat, we can collect the Dura and then we can uh, help this person. We are trying to lead the youth to work hard for their life. He says their group also distributed 10 sacks of sorghum to internally displaced persons in Gelachol in December last year. Choi says their group saved an old woman who nearly starved last year. Chol Chuang is blind and depends on handouts from well-wishers. We were given money and food items. They helped us to feed our families. Only that the food items are now over. We need more support because we cannot manage to go fishing or cultivating. We only sit in one place. If we are helped with the food items, we only eat while staying at home because we cannot do any work. Helping a vulnerable person is a blessing. God bless the well-wishers.
Youth Empowerment Activity is a four-year project launched in 2020 and targets 25,000 South Sudanese between 15 and 29 years. The project also operates in Eastern Equatoria, Jongle, Unity, Western Baral Ghazal, and Central Equatoria Estates. For VOA News, I am Amer Abram Kwad in Malakal. Some parents in the capital, Juba, say extremely high school fees along with uh, worsening economic conditions, including delays in paying salaries for soldiers, has forced parents to keep their children from schools. Some parents say both private and public schools have increased their fees, making it difficult for government employees to enroll their kids in schools. For VOA News, Viola Elias has more from Juba. Juba resident Mubarak Justin, a father of six children, says the economic situation in South Sudan has affected many parents like him. Justin says due to his meager salary as a soldier, he takes on casual work to feed his children and pay for their health and education. He says he cannot afford to enroll five of his six kids in school this year. Justin is urging the National Ministry of General Education and school administrators to allow low-income parents to enroll their children in schools. Let them look into those issues of the government school and public school paying fees more than the salaries of the parent. For example, you have six to seven children like me who's having six children and my monthly salary is 70,000 South Sudanese pound. Which one of my children should I pay? What about their feedings? Nowadays for school, at least one child's breakfast could cost 1,000 pounds. Last year, the president issued directives that the public schools is free. But this year, people are asking to pay about £70, including school uniforms and other things. It can reach more than £100,000. In 2023, South Sudan President Salva Kiir ordered government ministries to ensure that primary and secondary education is free nationwide. Juba resident Joy Gire, a parent of three, says her children are not enrolled because his schools still demands high tuition fees. Gire says when children are not attending schools, girls will opt for marriage and boys are often tempted to join gangs, which she considers a tragic waste. You know that some of these children, if educated, would one day become a president, especially those orphans who lost their parents. Now, if they are not going to school to get education, for instance, these girls, if they are just idling at home, they would start to think of marriage. And now marriage is not a solution to young, for young girls, but to let them go to school and get educated so that when they get married in future they would be able to manage their home even those boys when they are going to school they would turn out to be gangs boys and pickpockets boys in the street 
Article 29, Section 1 and 2 of the South Sudan Transitional Constitution states that every citizen has the right to education and directs all levels of government to provide access to education without discrimination to religion, race and ethnicity, healthy status including HIV and AIDS, gender or disability. 18-year-old Ponimodi, a senior four student candidate at Juba Model Secondary School says she is not in school because her parents could not pay her school fees. Modi says since school opened earlier this month, she has been at home caring for her siblings. And the reason why I'm not at school is because um, the economy of this country has really gone beyond, whereby um, it's hard for some parents. Like um, the salary that my parents get, it, it's not enough. We're looking for money, so we're just hoping for something positive. Ronald Shinyang, a teacher at Menta Primary School in Juba, confirms low enrollment at school since the beginning of the 2024-2025 academic year. He says last year, Menta charged 150,000 pounds per student, but that figure has changed to 300,000 pounds. He says most parents complained about the devaluation of South Sudanese pounds against the U.S. dollars. Like Menta, we drew the budget when the dollar or when the pound was 100 pounds against 100 dollars. But now it has gone to 45 or 50. Now look at the deficit there. How will it be covered? Those are the things we are trying to look at. And for me as a teacher, I would just cry if a school fees is to run like a constant school fees over this year can be used for next year, it will be better. But these changes each time they are rising. So there are very high costs of running schools. That is what has made, I think, directors to also consider that and the school fees appears to be abnormal, but it's not. It is just to meet the demand of the school. David Luala Lodu, Director General of Basic and Secondary Education at the National Ministry of Education, says it is the responsibility of parents to report any government school that charges fees beyond the agreed to amount between the parents and teachers association. If anything of that kind is going that way, then the prime education supervisor will report this on to the county. Then the county will report to the ministry. It's the ministry of education. Whether in central equatorial said Bargazal, Awil, uh, Pibor, any this then from the state, then from the state they will uh, inform our minister. Lord Lodo wants that private schools operating across the country could shut down for overcharging school fees. We call the head teachers or private schools, and then the directors in a meeting. We have a school regulation. We have already prepared it, and then Honorable Minister has gone through it and passed it, that let it be printed. They don't follow, we close down the school. And then if need be, we take the land, we land to government. Then we, we, we take up, instead of being private school, it will become a government school. Xinyang urges the government to stabilize the country's economy so that parents can enroll their children in school. For VOA News, I am Viola Elias reporting from Juba. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on The Voice of America. Coming up, artificial intelligence is threatening markets in Kenya. Find out why after the break. Hello, listener of South Sudan in Focus. We have an exciting new segment dubbed Words of Wisdom. We want to hear your thoughtful proverbs that echo through your community. This is another chance for you to share wisdom from your roots. All you need to do is record a proverb in a language of your choice, tell us its English translation and what it means. Keep it brief, authentic, and represent your community. Your recorded proverb shall be sampled on South Sudan in Focus every Wednesday. 
Send your recording via our WhatsApp number, plus one, two zero two, six three zero, eight zero one one. That is plus one, two zero two, six three zero, eight zero one one. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. And our words of wisdom for today comes from Western Equatorial State. This evening, I am having a brief proverb coming from Zande language. It reads, uh, This proverb is simple. Uh, it means, being a leader, you should be exemplary to those you are leading. And it is brief explanation. Uh, you don't lead only by directing people to do things the way you want it to be done. Uh, you should be a leader who lead by exemplary to those you are leading. Thank you very much. I remain David from Zande Kingdom. Thank you. You are listening to South Sudan in focus from the Voice of America. Kenyan companies facing economic challenges are turning to artificial intelligence to, pr- to reduce production and advertising expenses. That's causing anxiety among artsy artists and ad advertisement agencies who fear reduced income and job losses if artificial intelligence can replace the work they have always done. Muhammad Yusuf reports from Nairobi. With the coming of artificial intelligence, Kenyan companies and businesses have been quick to incorporate computer-controlled robots for various tasks to save time and costs. Kartasi Products, one of the biggest publishing companies based in Nairobi, is among those embracing AI technology. Instead of relying on outside artists, the company now uses AI to handle book covers, texting and layout, and has cut product design time by two-thirds from approximately three months to one. Because everything is within your fingertips. So you find that you don't only save on time, but also you save on cost, because you don't have to hire out any services. So at the moment we are saving, the, the, the cost savings that we are getting from AI, it is translated into the final product. David Karega, the head of East and Southern Africa at Woodrow, a communications firm, says AI helps companies reach out to their customers. You know, with AI, where, uh, you know, organizations, institutions and companies are starting to look at AI in the sense of, uh, you know, how can it help me in, uh, in this moment where my budgets are cut to still continue doing, uh, you know, effective uh, communications. And what I've observed is... AI becoming a kind of a value creator and you can look at it being a value creator both from an agency perspective and from a, from a, from an, a client perspective or you know the, the company the adoption of AI is creating fear among artists and advertising agencies that revenue and jobs will continue to shrink. Simon Moazia, creative chief for one such agency, the arts group, acknowledges the trend and the cost benefits, though he thinks companies will be better off relying on professionals to handle their advertising. Uh, all the design work is done in-house, so that means that's less revenue for the agency. So we'll definitely take a hit. But... Um, we do not foresee a situation where uh, companies do that because we always uh, emphasize and also try to advocate for that. People need to focus on their key strengths. Currently, AI programs used in advertising often create deformed creatures and worldly scenes that require many hours to edit. 
However, the World Advertising Research Center says spending by Africa's advertising sector fell by 11.6% last year, an indication of the likely increased use of AI. Mohamed Yusuf, VOA News, Nairobi. The United States again vetoed an Arab-backed United Nations Security Council resolution urging for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza Tuesday. But this time, Washington proposed its own draft that calls for temporary ceasefire after a hostage deal is secured between Israel and Hamas. It is the strongest leverage yet that President Joe Biden has used against Israel, a sign that his patience with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu is wearing thin. White House Bureau Chief Patsy Widakwaswara has this report. Israel continues strikes on Gaza's southern city of Rafah, near the border with Egypt, where more than a million Palestinians, some displaced multiple times by the war, seek safety. Their fate was discussed by diplomats in New York, where on Tuesday the United States again vetoed an Arab-backed UN resolution demanding an immediate ceasefire in Gaza. It's the third U.S. veto since Israel's military offensive on the Palestinian enclave that followed Hamas' October 7th attack on southern Israel. Palestinian UN envoy Riyad Mansour called the move reckless and dangerous. Shielding Israel even as it commits the most shocking crimes while exposing millions of innocent Palestinian civilians to its wrath and more untold horrors. It is not Israel that should be protected by the veto. It is Palestinian children, women and men who must be protected by this council acting now. The U.S. proposed its own draft resolution that calls for a temporary ceasefire in Gaza up to six weeks only after a hostage deal between Israel and Hamas is secured. The U.S. is pushing for the deal with Egypt and Qatar. It also condemns the October 7th attack and makes clear that Hamas has no place in future governance of Gaza. U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations, Linda Thomas-Greenfield. In addition, our draft states there can be no reduction of territory in the Gaza Strip and rejects, as we have before in Resolution 2720, any forced displacements of civilians in Gaza. It also highlights the concerns many council members have regarding the fate of civilians in Rafah, making clear that under current circumstances, a major ground offensive into Rafah should not proceed. Skeptics see the U.S. resolution as a diplomatic ploy that would prolong Palestinian suffering. Israel has warned that unless the hostages held by Hamas are freed by the start of Ramadan on March 10th, it will push on with a ground offensive in Rafah. Every day there are threats and statements. We don't know where to go, said Nihal Obeid, one of the Palestinians seeking shelter there. However, the U.S. resolution does show Washington's hardening stance on Israel's conduct of the war. Richard Gowan, U.N. Director of the International Crisis Group, via Zoom. This is the first time that the U.S. has proposed a text which really does include some fairly strong implicit criticism of Israel's campaign in Gaza and the situation in the West Bank. And I think that the Biden administration may be sending a subtle sign that it will continue to protect Israel at the UN, but its patience is not limitless. 
Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has vowed not to bow to international pressure. This week, his war cabinet is meeting President Joe Biden's top advisor, Brett McGurk, who will push Israel to agree on the hostage deal and hold off from a ground campaign in Rafah. Patsy Widahuswara, Viewing News, Washington. And that's all we prepared for you this Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. We now leave you with some actually traditional song from Eastern Equatorial State. Listening to a test of some traditional actually music from Eastern Equatorial State. They actually are found in South Sudan and Uganda. I'm your host, John Tanza, on this live broadcast from Studio 14 here in Washington. On behalf of our producer, Kwame Ofori, and engineer Bill Bass, we wish you a lovely evening. Remember to join us again tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Get away, get away.